choosing at the farm. Nothing at all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Recognize this man? Uh, David Suchet, uh, best known as the actor uh, playing Hercule Poirot in uh, Agatha Christie's books. But in 1986, uh, David Suchet had an encounter with another book which transformed his life. Uh, He tells that he was in a hotel room in Seattle, and this is how it happened. I was in the bath, he said, thinking about my late grandfather, with whom I had an extraordinarily close relationship. I always felt that he was with me as my spiritual guide. I felt him sitting on my shoulder. Then I thought to myself, why do I believe that and not believe in life after death? That got me thinking about the most famous person who they say had a life after death, Jesus. So, uh, there are, in many hotels, Bibles, and David Suchet began to read the Bible. I believe he actually began in Romans chapter 8, began reading there, and then he read the full letter to the Romans. He says, I chose it because I knew that somebody called Paul actually existed. I knew that he wrote letters and that they are there for everyone else to see. By the end of the letter, certainly by the end of the book, I was reading about a way of being and a way of life that I'd been looking for all those years. He was changed by the word of God. It confronted him. It brought new life to him. And then uh, he's gone on to record uh, the whole of the the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament in the, the NIV translation. And... You can find that on Bible Gateway, possibly in other uh, apps as well. But I know it's in Bible Gateway because my mother is now uh, unable to, to read her Bible because of her sight, and she loves to listen to David Sushi reading the Word of God because she says he reads it so reverently. He was a man who has been transformed by the Word of God. He's a, a living example of the power of of the word of God to change a life and then uh, go on and release the word of God into the lives of others. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, you'll notice that in our, our, our text, the verse 12 begins with uh, the joining word, for, for the word of God is living and active. So that's connecting us with what went before. We said last Sunday night, it was quite a difficult passage. Uh, We tried to, uh, as plainly as possible, follow the line of thought about why the Israelites hadn't entered into God's rest. Uh, And we were told that they had the gospel preached to them. Wasn't that amazing, that that external expression? That they were evangelized in the wilderness. But they didn't respond with belief to the evangelism that they had in the wilderness, but actually they responded with doubt because when the 12 spies came back and 10 of them had a bad report, the Israelites went with the the cowardly advice and didn't go on 
turned back, rebelled, tested God. And that generation fell in the wilderness. And so the connection is that we shouldn't follow their example in disobeying this powerful word. Because it will do a powerful work in our hearts if we hear it and if we allow it to expose our sin and obey it. And since God sees and knows everything and there is no hiding from him, it would be foolish to try to uh, pretend that we could hide from God and his word. To do so would only bring certain judgment. So we have a wonderful text here before us uh, tonight. And it's telling us four things about the Bible, the Word of God. Telling us, first of all, the Bible's living and active. Secondly, it penetrates our defences, gets behind our defences. Thirdly, it judges our thoughts and attitudes. And fourthly, it confronts us with the living God. Confronts us with the living God. The word lives, the word penetrates, the word judges, the word confronts. So first of all, the word is living and active. The word of God is living and active. And that fact, you know, kind of ricochets out into a number of other uh, consequences. In the first place, it's suggestive of the fact that the Bible has a liveliness to it, which grasps us. The Bible lays hold of us in a way that no other book does. Now, uh, you quite often will hear people uh, commending uh, a reading of the Bible uh, simply as a work of literature, and there's, that's an interesting uh, point of view. I'm not so sure that you can actually do that. I'm not sure that uh, you could read the Bible in the way that you would read Shakespeare or, or Milton, because the Bible is living in a way that these books are not. It's designed for a relational encounter. It has a life of its own. It challenges us to the reality behind its pages. Uh, William Barclay, uh, in his Daily Study Bible, has some very useful comments on this, uh, this little section here. And uh, he kind of semi-humorously says at one point that uh, although Plato was the greatest thinker, perhaps, of the, of the, the centuries, it's unlikely that a daily uh, study of Plato would have much of a public demand. Uh, he managed to sell, I don't know, thousands and thousands of copies of the Daily Study Bible, but uh, he's right, because Plato had uh, nothing to offer in comparison to the Word of God. The Word grabs our attention. There's a living quality to the Word of God which uh, shouts out to us. And, you know, it's, it's great when you are in the company of people uh, who are coming fresh to the Word of God and are reading it with, with uh, new eyes and, and they're saying, this is real. This has the ring of truth to it. That's an invigorating situation to find yourself in as some of us are in uh, these days. It's a living book. It's also living in the sense that it actively brings about life. And it brings about life because the word is characterised by the, the being of God himself. Uh, another 
key verse in relation to the Bible is uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So here's a verse which is uh, primarily about the, the usefulness of scripture. The scriptures are useful for teaching, training, correcting. Why is it useful? Because of its origin in God. It is literally exhaled by God. And because God breathes out the word, it is characterized by a a Godness. For example, uh, we believe that the word of God is without error. It is inerrant because it is breathed out by the God who cannot lie. It bears the character of the God with whom it has its origin. And this word has a creative power. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did God do this? He did it by his mighty word. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said again and again in Genesis 1, the cosmos comes into being by the word of God. He speaks and worlds leap into being at his command. It has a creative power. And this creative power is at work in the lives of individuals. Because of sin, we don't have spiritual life in us naturally. We are by nature, Paul says in Ephesians, dead in our trespasses and sins. And the word brings life to us. The spirit is properly the agent of new life. The spirit of God is the one who brings the new birth. Uh, The work of regeneration is the work of the spirit. But the spirit always does it in conjunction with the word of God. And that's why Peter, for example, can speak about the word bringing about new birth. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The word, as it were, plants a seed of new life in us. And then Peter goes on to speak about how the word endures. It has an enduring life. In contrast to you and I, whose lives are running out. Our, our, our bodily life, our bodily existence is running down all of the time. All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So the good news, the gospel, is revealed in the word of God. And this gospel is powerful. It comes with power. A key verse that we have uh, on our website. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. There is power. There is dynamite in the gospel. In the word of God. Therefore, implication should be clear, shouldn't it? If we want to see people saved, which we do, desperately want to see people converted, how does that happen? It happens through the creative power of the Word of God. What is our great aim, therefore? 
It is to get the word of God into the hands of people who do not yet know Jesus. What's our great challenge? To offer to read the Bible with people who don't know Jesus. That would be the, the most uh, single most uh, effective and straightforward thing that any one of us could do. doesn't matter how old or young you are uh, here in church tonight. Uh, this is something which doesn't require any expertise at all. If you can lay hold of a Bible and offer to read it with somebody, God will do the work. Now, yes, there are different uh, methods of doing that. The Christian unions have this uh, annotated Bible, uh, they call it Uncover, and it's designed to, to help people with some of the questions they have as they read the Bible. And there's the word one-to-one, and there's a host of other things. But essentially, all that one needs is a Bible in a translation that someone who's not a Christian can understand. And the confidence in the Bible to say, let's sit down sometime and read the Bible. During the Reformation, uh, people uh, would sometimes praise Luther for the uh, amazing impact uh, that the Reformation was making uh, in Germany and elsewhere. And he always deflected praise from himself to the Word of God. He said this once, uh, while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. See what he's saying, typical Luther uh, style. He's saying the word simply did its work. It tore down all of these uh, citadels. It was powerful. It was released and it did the work. A little later in, in Zurich, the reformer Huri Swingli uh, came to the great minster in Zurich and uh, announced that he would systematically preach through the Bible. And he began with Matthew's Gospel. And people gathered in crowds to hear the word. They had never had the, the word of God uh, spoken to them in a way that they could understand. It was, it was uh, read in Latin. Uh, there were all manner of, of, of means of keeping the people distant from the word. One young man who recorded his reaction uh, in his diary wrote that he felt that under the preaching of the Bible, uh, he was being pulled up by the hair. He was electrified. By the word of God. Uh, he wanted to learn it uh, in the original languages. And he began to study uh, the Greek New Testament. Erasmus had been uh, uh, obtaining uh, manuscripts that were reliable uh, in the original languages. And uh, at night to keep himself awake because he had been working during the day. Uh, he would grind sand between his teeth so that he could stay awake, awake to study uh, the Greek New Testament. The historian that records this, Roland Benton, said that the discovery of America uh, decades earlier had not caused such a reaction. The powerful Word of God doing its work. The Word of God is living and active to convert people, but it's also living and active to revive people. All of us from time to time hit times when we flag spiritually. May it not be serious backsliding, it may be a, a, a lack of spiritual energy or zeal, and it is the Word of God that will bring 
a change to our situation. David wrote, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Psalm 19.7 uh, The entire 176 verses of Psalm 119 extol the benefits of God's word. The psalmist cries out, My soul cleaves to the dust, revive me according to your word. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. Verse 50. When John Wesley left home, his mother Susanna gave him a Bible, and in the Bible, in the flyleaf, she wrote, This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. The word of God revives the soul. Billy Graham uh, used to tell the story of an Eskimo fisherman. Uh, this Eskimo fisherman who came uh, to town on a Saturday afternoon with two dogs. One was white and one was black. And he had taught them to fight on his command. And every Saturday afternoon in the town square, the people would gather and these two dogs would fight and the fishermen would take bets on which dog would win, whether it be the white dog or the black dog. But the fisherman uh, himself always won. And his friend began to ask uh, how he did it, how he could always predict which of his two dogs would win. And he said, I starve one and I feed the other. The one I feed always wins because he's stronger. And that's true spiritually of the Christian because uh, the Christian is at war with a sinful nature. And in the Christian's life, the Spirit has come to renew us. And if we feed on God's Word, we are feeding that new power within us uh, rather than the old life. And we will find that we make progress as Christians. The Word is life-giving. It is living and active. Secondly, the Word penetrates our defences. Uh, now, when the writer speaks about it penetrating uh, to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, uh, this isn't intended to give us some kind of a, a theological distinction between soul and spirit or some insight into anatomy. Simply saying that the Word relentlessly breaks through the barriers of our human sinfulness. Relentlessly breaks through the barriers of our human sinfulness. We put up screens. We try to keep God out. We can't do that. The Word gets behind our defences. It pierces. It penetrates. And if the first point is speaking about the Word's constructive work, its creative work, its life-giving work, here is the preliminary work of the Word of God. If you like, it's destructive work. We must be slain by the Word if the Word is to bring us to life. The old uh, nature, uh, the, the old reliance on self, the, the pride, the complacency, the self-righteousness, that must be exposed and destroyed by the Word of God. Remember when Peter is uh, standing up on the day of Pentecost and is preaching to the large crowd, uh, preaches to them, uh, and we're told that the brothers were cut to the heart, sorry, the people who heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter 
and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. Peter didn't give them a, you know, a peppy message, a, a, a pick-you-up message, something that they could go home with, feeling that uh, they had a happy song to sing as they went their way homewards. The word cut them. It penetrated their defence. And they cried out, what must we do? And he said, believe in the Lord. In the Old Testament, there is a, a historical incident which is a kind of parable of the way that the word of God penetrates our defences. It's the, the account of King Ahab going out to war uh, along with King Jehoshaphat. Remember how uh, Ahab was the wicked uh, monarch in the north and Jehoshaphat was a godly king and they combined to fight against the, the Syrian king and his army. And Ahab, who was a, a, a thoroughly devious character, decides that he will disguise himself uh, and so he discards his robes and his crown and he dons an, an ordinary soldier's uh, chain mail and, and uniform, whereas Jehoshaphat rides uh, as a king in his chariot. And in the, the authorised venture, uh, the uh, version of the Bible, I were told that an archer uh, <coughs> fired his arrow at a venture. <laughs> at a venture. Uh, which is to say, uh, he took potluck. He just fired an arrow uh, into the sky. God's hand was on that arrow. That arrow found its mark. It went between uh, the chinks of Ahab's armour. It slew Ahab. It was a guided missile. It got behind his defences. That's what the word does with us. It gets behind the defences that we raise to it. Uh, we cannot hold out the word of God. It penetrates. Thirdly, it judges our thoughts and our attitudes. Judges our thoughts and our attitudes. The, the two words are very, very similar in, in the Greek. They're just our, our inner thinking, you know, what's going on inside. Nobody knows what you're thinking right now. Nobody knows what you're thinking as you go about your business tomorrow. Uh, we don't have thought bubbles visible above our heads. And isn't it just as well that we don't? Our thoughts show up the things that are most important to us. They show up the things to which we are slaves. Things that we think are really worth our attention, our money, our time. They become idols. They can displace God from our thinking. We want them. We serve them. We're willing to sacrifice for them. And the Bible is able to come and expose those thoughts and attitudes. The Bible comes like a joiner's straight edge. To see if our, our thinking is in line with the gospel or not. The word goes deep. It tests and examines us against our calling to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Calvin in uh, the Institutes writes, The natural man refuses to be led to recognize the diseases of his lust, 
The light of nature is extinguished before he even enters upon this abyss. Philosophers take no account of the evil desires that gently tickle the mind. But the word of God exposes our inner thoughts. David Livingston, uh, the pioneer missionary to Africa, once uh, offered uh, to, to teach a chief that he was seeking to reach with the, the gospel. He offered to teach him, first of all, to shoot a rifle and then also to, uh, to read the Bible, two very useful activities. But the, the chief declined the offer to read the Bible. He replied he didn't wish to learn to read the book for he was afraid it might change his heart and make him content with only one wife. He had four wives because another chief uh, who had been converted uh, had only the one wife. The word of God judging thoughts that we think only we know. And then fourthly, the word confronts us with God. It flushes us out into the open. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and lay bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's a frightening prospect, isn't it? To, to have no defences, no, no cover-up, to be exposed before God's glare. Uh, James Boyce, in, it's actually in his Romans commentary, tells of the time when he was studying uh, theology in Basel in Switzerland. And in the city, they had a Mardi Gras festival, and it was quite well known for, you know, uh, immoral acts, people just losing all inhibitions, largely because they were all dressed up in extravagant costume and masks. But the Salvation Army had put up uh, posters along the route of the Mardi Gras one year. The simple message, God sees behind your mask. God sees behind your mask. Nothing is hidden from God. William Barclay, again, in, in his uh, study Bible, he comments on the, the word that's translated as laid bare, and there's a, had a number of different backgrounds. Uh, <clears throat> one was a wrestler's word, which entailed grabbing the opponent by the throat so that he couldn't move and, and therefore couldn't move away from uh, the, the view of his opponent. But there's another interesting usage, and that was in relation to a condemned man, someone who was being uh, sent to the gallows. When he was led away to execution, uh, a dagger with the point upwards was so placed under his chin that he could not bow his face in shame and hide from onlookers. And in the same way, God's word confronts us with God himself. Uh, we are opened up to God's gaze and we suddenly realize he sees me. He knows all about me. I've heard plenty of people say, uh, you know, not just uh, about their experience in this church, but elsewhere, that when they heard the preaching of the word, they thought that the preacher had some inside information that the preacher was preaching about them and them in particular. What was going on? 
It was the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and applying it so that a life was laid bare before God because of the power that resides in the Word. What a powerful Word. And if that is the case, how should we respond? Well, surely it must be obvious that if all of this is true, and it is, we ought to treasure and value the Bible. We ought to regard it highly and its counsel highly. Uh, It is God's medicine. It is more valuable than any worldly counsel. We said uh, in the advert for a certain beverage, it reaches the parts that other drinks can't reach. The Word of God reaches the parts that other counsels, other uh, therapies cannot reach. Why would we therefore revert to uh, popular secular paperbacks on magazines with their so-called insight when God's Word is powerful. We should read it and meditate on it and allow the, the Word of God to do its searching work in our lives. And then secondly, we should respond to the Word. Uh, when it exposes our sin, our response should be to run to the Saviour rather than to react defensively. That is uh, a wrong response to, to simply uh, bring up the drawbridge, to, to keep God out. The Israelites did that. When God rebuked them through his servant Moses, uh, they hardened their hearts. They didn't soften their hearts under God's word. They hardened their hearts. And in contrast, we should soften our hearts under God's word and let it shape and mould our lives as we seek to obey whatever it is God is saying to us at any one point. And then, as we were saying earlier, we should have huge confidence in the Bible. Confidence that means that, that we see this is our evangelism. Evangelism is releasing the word of God into lives. Is confronting people with God through his word. Evangelism, in its truest sense, is having confidence in the sovereign power of God to act through his word. Wouldn't it be great if, you know, we as a congregation were gripped by the the thought that here is something I could do. I could read the Bible with someone. You know, if many of us were active in that, it would be transforming. God would work. God would change lives. And his kingdom would grow. May God bless to us his precious word.